Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates and they were talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about Inception. There's one thing you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams. Mr. Carl has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. Like a work placement? Not exactly. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Cody Webb. Cody, I swear we aren't dreaming. How's it going? Great intro. <laughs> proud of that one. But, uh, yeah, man, we're back. I feel like we've had a long layoff between uh, recording a couple of these suckers. Very excited. Got a great pick in a movie, and uh, another great guest, if I do say so myself. Um, I'll just go straight into the intro. Uh, you know, we finally got him on. He's been wanting to come on for, for a decent amount of time uh one of my friends i wouldn't call him a good friend but he is a friend uh mr jacob hughes how you doing good good how are you guys thanks for having me man how how excited to be on the show here jacob oh dude i am ecstatic it is a privilege and an honor to be to be in front of two of the biggest podcast hosts in the world man very excited for this well we appreciate the the sentiment and you know it's tough you were the the fifth guest named jacob to come on our show so and uh, we don't have a second, lot of <laughs> the, the second, second jacob, jacob hughes. hughes we had exactly. somebody else like jacob hughes yeah i was looking Dude, i thought that was a joke man i literally <laughs> thought that was a joke and then i looked more into it i was like wow there's actually another kid named jacob hughes who also has red hair what are the odds yes shout out shout out to my roommate jacob hughes he's here right now or maybe he's watching a dog but uh we gotta get we gotta find people not named jacob to have on the show cody i think <laughs> I don't know. We're having a bit of a problem where we might need to have them all back at once and see who the best one is. Oh, I like that battle of the Jacobs. Uh, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I was th- I was looking and I think across all our episodes, like nine out of our 50 some episodes have had somebody named Jacob involved in them. And it's it's becoming a problem. We got to we got to expand. And I guess that's the pro- it was too popular of a name, you know, when, in the 2000s, late 90s. That is true. Before we get into our discussion, it is our last episode of Pride Month, so wanted to suggest another two movies for you. Went with two modern ones, uh, pretty recent flicks, newer flicks, smaller films, um, independent some of the first one being Shiva Baby, which is a fantastic story um, about essentially this young woman who has to go to a Shiva, um, which is the you know Jewish funeral rites, and then encounters some issues dealing with the people that she's seeing in her life and the different you know partners she's had in the past and it's only like 87 minutes and came out in 2020 it's on hbo max it's this kind of like really anxiety filled small thrillers movie that is from a female director and is cool and is up and coming and check it out and then the other one is happy season which is a little bit bigger uh, starring Kristen stewart supporting roles from like people like aubrey plaza dan levy's in it as well um and it's a christmas movie that's on hulu but also just another you know kind of fun um story female director female story 
check them both out. I also wanted to mention that this podcast discusses Elliot Page and the role he plays in Inception that's credited under a different name. No comments made referencing Elliot's character. Ariadne's gender identity is meant to undermine Elliot's current gender identity. At Cap, we want to make it very clear that we recognize and support trans people. Let's get into the show. I think we got a great movie today, and I am very excited to talk about it. Obviously, um, it is Inception. But I did want to throw it over to Hughes. Why did you want to bring this movie to us and talk about it on the pod? Why? 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 Yeah, no, I really wanted to talk about it because it's one of my favorite movies, uh, basically of all time. I mean, it's probably in my top 10, I would say, and actually probably my maybe favorite Leo movie up up there with Wolf of Wall Street and Great, Great Gatsby. But I feel like what makes this film so unique is that it was also produced directed and written by the christopher nolan who's one of my favorite directors as well and then you add in the likes of cillian murphy michael michael kane michael kane um, yeah tom hardy i mean the list just keeps going on and on but i just i just think these guys make the movie so good and i don't think christopher nolan could have picked a better cast to go with I definitely back that. I think the cast is is one of the stronger parts of the movie. And uh, I do think it is a good pick because, I mean, just the layers that this movie has, I think is super interesting. But um, I, I do want to throw it over Corbino because I don't know if we've talked about this movie a ton. And I say we just go straight to initial thoughts. Uh, good morning, Vietnam! You know, I actually backed a lot of what Jacob was saying. This is one of my all-time favorite movies, probably top 10 for me. Oh. And then... Uh, also, I mean, we know it. We know it on the show. I'm a huge Leonardo DiCaprio fan as well. One of my favorite performances. Maybe not my favorite, uh, but really love this movie. Really love him. Also do like Christopher Nolan a lot. So all in all, I'm, I'm going to sing a lot of praises for this movie. There's problems and we'll get there. We'll address them. Uh, but I think just this movie is so easy to come back to. It's so fun to rewatch because you can always catch something new or you can notice another layer. And maybe it makes a little bit more sense or maybe a little less sense every time you watch it. Um, but I don't know. I, there's just, there's so much to it. And if you really want to get into it, there's so much that has been said already. And, and maybe we're just going to be reiterating a lot of that, but um, it, it's just a fun, enjoyable movie to check out with, with great performances. Cody, what are your thoughts? Cause I, you know, I, I suspect you might be the hater in this group. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself the hater. Um, this is not in my top 10 movie list, I don't think. But it is a very good movie. I mean, out of Nolan, I think um, probably just The Dark Knight. And The Prestige. Is, oh, yeah, obviously The Prestige. But, um, like, this is his top tier stuff, I think. And, and the cast really does bring that out. I mean, the, like I said before, I mean, the layers. I might say that a couple more times, but Inception. <laughs> You know exactly what it is when you say the title, which we'll get to as well. But, I mean, just how deep you go in this movie. This is also only the second time I've seen it, to be fair. So maybe you guys, like, binge it ten times. I don't really know. But I really like the opening. I just want to start off with that. Because, um, I mean, the first time I watch it, obviously, I have no idea what's going on. But the second time, you're like, that's such a cool shout-out in the beginning of the movie to, um, you know, what's the guy's name? Uh, Saito? What's the actor's name, Corbin? Saito? Ken Watanabe? Ken Watanabe, love that guy. Um, but I think that's such a cool scene um, in the shout out, and that is very awesome in the beginning. And then the thing I really like about this movie is like the villain as well, because it is his wife, uh, Mal, Mal, whatever. 
uh, terrible accent, by the way, but I think it's super interesting because she is not- French. Marion Cotillard is. <laughs> I know, but she still sounds like an idiot. But uh, speak French, don't speak English. Then. Anywho, uh, it, it's a cool villain because it's not actually her. It's her like trapped in Leo's subconscious, which is deep as shit. It's like this is not actually his wife. It's sort of like a grief thing for her, for him inceptioning the idea to kill herself. And then she evidently does. So like, this is some deep shit, obviously. And, um, but I think that's such a creative tool for a villain. That's honestly, I don't think I've seen before, but um, yeah, I think we're going to be talking about this movie for a while, but those are a couple of my just like thoughts off the top. One specific thing I want to get into before we throw it back over to Jacob, the, the, the Marion Cotillard, the layers there are interesting as well because you have that song that is permeates through the entire score that french edith fiaf song i don't i can't say the name non again uh everyone knows it's it's the <laughs> that's great french you know what i'm talking about I, sure. it, it's the song right um funny enough marion cotillard played that french singer in a movie before inception came out which i just think is like this extra interesting layer of like she was in a biopic of the singer and then it's a song and christopher nolan said it had nothing to do with it but uh they 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 kept it in the movie and and i think that song mixed with the score of Hans zimmer is part of what makes this movie so great or at least one of the layers that makes it so great and the song is two minutes and 28 seconds and the movie's runtime is two hours and 28 minutes so it's just look at that cody's laughing wow Serious stuff right there. Put this in weird movie trivia, dude. This is gold. Oh, I got plenty for you. I got <laughs> I didn't do my research this week. I, I'm a little worried. <laughs> Jacob, what else you got for us initial thoughts wise? Um, you guys were talking about Christopher Nolan, and you guys were saying that you thought it was a top tier uh, production effort by him. I would argue that it's his best movie, if not his second best. I would put Interstellar possibly at one. <laughs> And I am a huge, huge Interstellar guy, big Matthew McConaughey guy as well. Um, Aiden stole overall, that episode from you. Yeah. I, know, I know, I know. Couldn't <laughs> believe it. But overall, I think it's a phenomenal movie. Cillian Murphy is another one of my favorite actors who uh, stars in Peaky Blinders for the, for the fans out there who may not know that. Um, but overall, I think the premise is very unique. I don't think there's really another movie that kind of follows the same plot. And I was, I was looking up uh, just some research about the movie. And what I found so interesting is that Christopher Nolan actually wrote this script in 2000 and then came back to it about six, seven years later when he approached Leonardo and they kind of went back and forth um, trying to get him on. And, and Leo at first was kind of iffy about it. And then Christopher Nolan eventually kind of talked him into it. So uh, this script really took about, I believe, eight to 10 years to really uh, put to life, which I think is unique, uh, as well as the premise. So overall, um, like I mentioned previously, it's by far one of my favorite movies and uh, really excited to talk about this more. Yeah, no, lots of good stuff there. Um, other than the praise on Interstellar, I definitely disagree with that. But uh, I, I mean, like you said, the premise wise, I think it is very interesting because basically like almost the last hour of the movie, like the gist of it is they're falling out of a moving van, which, it, and it, it's still exciting somehow. And then also Corbin, I mean, the music I think is, is ridiculous in this as well. Surely Hans Zimmer um, 
won an Oscar for this if he didn't, it's a joke. But I mean, just all in all, like the production value and story-wise, it is going to, I think it's hard to find something like as unique, like you said. So I am pretty high in this movie. I don't think I'm as high as you guys, but um, I do think the third act is basically a masterpiece in, in production and editing as well. But um, I'll get into some issues later, but I'm with you guys. It's a good movie. Uh, it is better than Interstellar. I'll, I'll give you that. But I don't know about The Dark Knight and uh, The Prestige. Uh, if we don't have any other thoughts, let's move on to roll credits. Roll credits. Let's do it. Cody, why don't you take it away for us? I would love to take it away because I think this is probably the strongest category that uh, for roll credits that we might have ever had. Um, first off, Inception. I already mentioned it. Hell of a title. I don't know if you can beat it. If you name it anything else, you're an idiot. Uh, secondly, the opening scene, I think, is actually very cool. Uh, again, I said it in my initial thoughts. Uh, you know, sort of Leah washing up uh, ashore and then his whole interaction with Ken Watanabe. Such a cool throwback. That Spoiler, that is my favorite scene of the movie the, uh, at the end when we get back to old Ken Watanabe. And that opening, I think, is perfect. And then as well, you have the closing, which is just iconic. I mean, the closing shot of the top, is it wobbling? You know, we don't really know. Obviously, I think it's it's definitely wobbling. Well, that, that was my main question that I wanted to yeah. ask to both of you in this section. What What is the explanation? Is it a dream? Is he finally in the real world with his family? What are your guys' takes? that's all you use what do you think i this is a tough one because every <laughs> single time i watch this i kind of change my mind and it's interesting throughout the movie they kind of uh write the movie to think you that he he's in a dream essentially the whole movie and you could kind of argue that uh from the very beginning so overall i think the end that it is reality that's what I'm going to go with. I think, you know, um, to be the devil's advocate, I, I'm not giving in to all the conspiracies and everything. I think it is reality. Um, so that's what I'm going with. Yeah, the question is, I mean, was Maul right? I mean, are they still in a dream? Which I think is a possibility. But I would agree with you that I do think it's reality. Just because I'm a sucker for, like, happy endings and stuff. But, I mean, physics-wise, like, that top is going down. That's all I'm saying. But what do you think over you're, you're 100 thinking the other day no i actually i really? i christopher nolan has basically said that it is real uh okay. michael kane said that christopher nolan told him if there was ever a scene that he was in he knew it wasn't a dream he's basically said you know it, it's the idea is isn't whether or not he's dreaming still it's that he doesn't care he's moved on with that part of his life he's finally home with his family and it doesn't matter to him it still is probably going to fall over and this is reality, but it leaves it open, I guess, for your interpretation. If you want that's, that's a beautiful thing. If you want to take it as he's still in a dream, he was wrong the whole time, then whatever. That's how you can interpret it. Personally, I, I think it is reality and I, I'll take the happy ending over anything else. Another thing that I think makes this movie so interesting is I was looking more into it and apparently every single time that Leonardo DiCaprio or Dom Cobb is dreaming, he's wearing a wedding ring. And, yes. and in the closing scene, you can't tell, but when he gets off the plane and he's going through customs, he is wearing that wedding ring. So it makes you think that it is actually real to go along with that as well. The world may never know. Uh, the, the, I mean, the only other thing I want to talk about in real credits, 
the title, like you said, it comes up a lot. This idea of inception, inserting a, an idea into someone's head is very interesting. And I think the, the main, the first time we hear about it, and when jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is like, don't think of an elephant. And he's like, well, you're thinking of an elephant, but you know that idea didn't come from you. The, the ability to actually get an idea into your head and have you think it's your own idea is incredibly difficult. And I think they do a really good job of creating a believable storyline and a believable setup in a dream that Cillian Murphy's character really would break up his father's empire. They they do craft craft what I think is a pretty conceivable and believable lie. And I think what makes this movie so great is that it's really a heist movie at the end of the day. And it, it's kind of in that vein of like Ocean's Eleven, like they're breaking into a person's mind. And, you know, I'll take anything with sci-fi and, and dreams and that twist ending. I'll, I'll eat that shit up. Agreed. Um, but as well, I mean, they go even deeper than Inception, right? They go to the dream within a dream within a dream within a dream because they have to go fish out Ken Watanabe at the end. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know. What, what do you call that, Corbin? What's what's past Inception? Well, they go to lim- Limbo. Inception is just <laughs> well, well, no, putting an idea in. To hunt down Mo, I'm sorry. And then, they, and then Leo goes to Limbo. So that's the fifth one. What's the fourth one called? Mall hunting? <laughs> I yeah, think you're like getting, we'll you're getting too into the uh the nitty-gritty <laughs> of it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a pot about it inception. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, also to, to bounce off real quick as well, um, like inputting the idea into his head, but making it think it's his own. I think that's genius. That's mostly Tom Hardy's character, obviously. But it's kind of like at the same time, like I don't know. The whole Mr. Jones stuff kind of feels like shoved in just so they could get to that fourth inception uh which we'll talk about but the idea of him coming up with on his own i I think is super creative as well yeah hughes any final thoughts for roll credits uh i think you guys covered it okay let's move on to stupidest part you stupid i i think the, the ending they just are trying to do too much you know after they complete inception and uh, Robert Fisher, or Cillian Murphy's character, you know, you know, he decides that he's going to start his own own empire. I think they could have done something different there. The whole idea of going into another dream and then another dream after that for Leo to go rescue um, Watanabe or whatever the whatever the hell that guy's name is. Uh, I, I just think it's droned on. I that's really my only problem with it. Uh, but I. I know it kind of sets up the ending as well. So I understand why Nolan did that, but that's really my only problem with the movie. Yeah. And that's fair. I, I do think um, this movie is a little long. I think, I think you could probably cut some things. I don't know. I, I obviously Nolan did not want to cut too much, but it is two and a half hours. And it, it, I think it feels like two and a half hours. So I think that's a good point. I think specifically, that third act where they're in the snow world things get a little bit bogged down there i mean they're there for a really long time so it's hard for them to really like show that passage of time but it it, things get a little bit lost once they get to the the ice world essentially um one of my big problems with this movie in general and it's it's a problem with a lot of nolan films is it's just very exposition heavy it's everybody's talking and telling you exactly what's happening and why it's happening and so you understand it and it's a device that you have to use in a movie because the audience has to understand to a certain degree but it's just so heavy in it it's just hitting you over the head from the very beginning 
you get Maul come into the scenario where it's when they've captured Joseph Gordon-Lever and they're holding him at gunpoint. And Maul, who's a figment of Cobb's imagination or his subconscious, who knows everything that he knows and he knows everything, feels the need to explain that, well, in the dream world, you feel pain if you get hurt, but if you die, you wake up. Like they have the scene where they talk about it and it happens. And it's, it's, it's that pattern of consistency throughout where it's like, rather than just him getting shot and then waking up, they have to like say it out loud. Like if you get killed, you're going to wake up in the real world rather than just letting it. I don't know. It's, it's a little heavy on that. I think that's where the script is probably the weakest. Yeah. That was my first thing as well. I think the first act, it is a little bit slow. And um, you know, like you said, I mean, it's basically just explaining everything to do with, you know, whatever this is called dreaming and inception, all that garbage. But I think it is necessary. It sets up the character super well as well. Like I'll take a slow first act if, if the rest of the movie is fire. Um, a couple of my things, first off, I mean, there's a lot of stuff with uh, Cillian Murphy's character where it's kind of just like, you know, you should probably figure this out at this point. I mean, they go what three dreams deep, um and and basically just it like leads to um basically like the dream within the dream within the dream and then he comes out of the plane as well but he has no security there so i don't know it's kind of strange how like the security was set up in the beginning because supposedly his mind's guarded but his body's not guarded either in first class but he's got like he just got kidnapped by all these people and nobody seems to care also, wasn't there like a throwaway line where they're like, oh, this guy makes his flight all the time, but he does it on a private jet, and then now he's just flying commercial? Well, the, uh, the of, line is, is that they're, they say, oh, well, what if there was problems with the plane? So, like, the idea is that they did something to his plane. Oh, okay. Perfect timing, yeah. Fair enough, I guess. But my main point was, I mean, once they pull the Mr. Jones thing, that's what it's called, right? Mr. Yeah. Charles. Mr. Mr. Charles. Charles, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie sucks. Uh, Mr. Charles, once they pull that, it's kind of like you should probably figure it out once you go into another dream. Because um, that second level, it kind of makes sense. Like they're just trying to throw off the scent of, you know, they're getting shot by his guards in the car currently. But then, like, when he whips out the dream thing again, you're like, oh, let's go in this guy's dream. Why, like, why would his, like, <laughs> why would his internal security have the ability to then <laughs> go deeper into his own subconscious? Exactly. Yeah, you're right. But, like, the, idea, the thinking is, I guess, you're in a dream, so you don't necessarily question the things that don't make sense, even though he's been told. It's a dr- I don't know. Good point. And that brings me to my last point. Doesn't he remember everything that happened in the dream or no? Is that not true? I don't think so. I think it, you, well, it feels like you'd maybe dreamed it. I don't know. Okay. So it's like, you, you know, the main point, I guess, which is fair, but if you wake up and the whole crew on this plane who (laughs) was all in your dream, actively like dream, whatever, catching these other people, you're like, oh shit, you know, maybe that's what just happened to me. So, you know, not the smartest guy killing Murphy's character evidently. And he doesn't have any sort of training. Like they said he did, because I think he would have caught on a little bit earlier. But uh, I'll bypass that. Obviously, it's a lot of specific stuff there um, just for, like, the overall plot. But super nitpicky. But, I mean, Kelly Murphy's an idiot at this point, if I'm being honest. Yeah, to go along with that, I completely agree. Another thing I didn't like was I thought they, like, basically made Cillian Murphy to be a complete loof. You know, they, they made him out to be a complete dumbass, like his character. 
I mean, that he wasn't able to catch on um, with the projections. Yeah, the Mr. Charles, how he got drugged so easily on the plane <laughs> initially. Like Leo, his character just literally stuck something in his drink and he was out. I mean, <laughs> I think they could have handled that a little bit better. But, uh, I mean, a lot of pauses, very few negatives overall. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty nitpicky stuff, I think, but still relevant. Cody, having to pee makes it poor in your dreams? <laughs> I guess so. I kind of like that. That's that's funny to me, and uh, I'm a big rain guy, so bring the rain on. <laughs> <laughs> Champagne before uh, going down under every time I back it. <laughs> My last thing is, this movie kind of falls into the category of maybe being a, a film bro movie or a movie that's like, if you like this, it's toxic, or... What do you? What are your guys' thoughts on that, or why do you think this maybe kind of falls into that category? And what's your argument against it? I mean, I would say for me, when I think of those kind of movies, it is more like Wolf of Wall Street, Leo. I think the the main protagonist. He's not a really, bad guy in this, I guess. No, I don't think he's a bad guy. He's a dad. You can look up to Cobb. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you know, the main protagonist, like, this is a pretty douchey movie, I'll be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if the main protagonist is, like, a decent person, and they're not, they don't have, like, terrible motives, like Jordan Belfort, I feel like it is more of, like, a a feel-good, not, like, gonna be characterized as, as a, you know, douchebag movie, but, I mean, just the themes of this movie are, are very douchey, but, I feel like when I think of that, I, I definitely go to Wolf of Wall Street for Yeah, for sure. I think some of the negative connotation is probably because of the star-studded cast. So a lot of normies, are, I feel like, <laughs> are just generally drawn to this movie. Um, but, I mean, it's kind of disappointing to me because it is one of my favorite movies, but I understand why, like, there is hate on it. And also a lot of people probably don't even understand this movie. <laughs> like, the average you know, kid who we went to high school with probably doesn't understand this movie. <laughs> yeah. You think, you think Colton understands this movie? We should have had him on. <laughs> Can we start talking about consortiums or, or not yet? <laughs> Shout out for it. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'm going to move, as Cody would say, moving swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I agree with what, what you guys are saying. Obviously, the certain level of popularity that this film has, this is an extremely well-seen movie. Um, it did very well at the box office. It had a re-release after 10 years that people were going to. Recently, I saw The Batman, the movie that came out this year, became one of the fastest movies to ever hit a million watches on Letterboxd, which is a social media platform that Cody and I use a lot to track movie watching. Inception, when they launched Letterboxd, was the first movie to hit a million watches. So it's like, oh. it's very clear. It has this like, it has this following. People like it. Christopher Nolan, obviously well-respected director Leonardo DiCaprio one of the famous white boys of our gener well not our generation but of the last hundred years uh like you said he's played the great Gatsby he's been in the Wolf of Wall Street he's in Catch Me If You Can The Departed he's been seven-time Oscar nominated or eight if you're Cody I don't know there this is a movie with a lot of men and a lot of big ideas it's not as deep as it likes to think it is maybe to a certain degree I think a lot of Christopher Nolan movies also fall into that where it's like they try to go. I think Interstellar really fails in this. It tries to go for the biggest idea. And sometimes it's, it it, it does better when it stays with the simple stuff. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I still like this movie a lot. I just, I think you have to, 
to recognize the flaws that come with it. That is true. It is like weirdly simple, I think. Uh, obviously, it's not, but like the the end point and the beginning point, I feel like make a lot of sense. But well, think about level, like the main theme of both of those movies, like Interstellar and Seven. At the end of the day, they're they're kind of just about dads who are trying to get back to their kids, yeah. right? That is true. I've wiped Interstellar from my mind, if I'm being honest. But uh, <laughs> I also wanted to ask, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Because Maul and um, Ellen Page do talk very Elliot briefly. Page. Elliot Page. Yeah, yeah res- all respect. Umbrella Academy. But, um, I mean, does it pass the Bechtel test? I, I know. What do they talk no, about? I don't, I don't. I think they talk about Dom, don't they? Yeah, probably. So, I was going to say, Nolan almost finally passed the Bechtel test. But I, I, I still don't think he has, sadly. Maybe we'll we'll get to that day. But yeah, not. I don't know if there is a movie, to be entirely honest. So let's move on to favorite scene. She is very gorgeous to me. Why don't you take it away, Ease? Um, I would say my favorite scene is probably when the Inception actually works. Uh, but other than that, I just like the buildup until they get to the fourth dream. But the buildup of knocking out ceiling on the ceiling on the plane. And just transitioning from dream to dream, I thought it was super clever. And uh, I think they arguably probably spent too much time in some of the layers. But I I like the whole idea of Tom Hardy, who plays Ames, impersonating uh, whoever the right-hand man is of uh, Cillian Murphy's dad. I, I thought Tom Hardy actually had a very underrated performance. Browning. Yeah, Browning. I feel like overall Tom Hardy actually had a super underrated performance. And, uh, you know, I, th- I know he's got a lot more popular after this movie, but I think he did a phenomenal job overall. Agreed. Tom Hardy, I think, very underrated in this movie. Um, and, yeah, I, I do like the, the emotional stuff a little bit with, with Browning as well. Um, I have a lot of stuff throughout here, so I'll just do it all at once. I, I talked already about just mostly the third act of, you know, this car being thrown off the bridge. I think that's so fun and creative. Uh, and it's actually like, pretty riveting as well. So shout out that. Um, second one, I already talked about it. The uh, Ken Watanabe limbo scene. I love that shit. I don't know why, but go watch it if you haven't seen it. And then my two other I want to throw out, this is an obvious one, but the spinning hallway, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, such a cool fight scene. And it is actually practical. Um, which makes it even more fun. I think watching it, obviously they're on like wires and stuff, but um, I think just the visual style of that is pretty much unmatched compared to, to Nolan's other stuff. And then a, a big plot point, I think the the mall inception reveal is done actually really well. And, and I like that a lot. The first time I remember watching, I, I did not see that coming at all. I mean, you've already had like four twists thrown at you. And then Leo <laughs> is the one who, you know, put this idea in her head accidentally to, to kill her. So I thought that was really well executed as well. Um, I'm sure Corbin has some other stuff he wants to shout out. But, I mean, overall, like, scene to scene, I think it's it's pretty, like, impressive. But maybe, like, all put together, it's not as impressive. But if you just cut up every single scene and you show, like, ten different people, every single one of them, I think they're going to say it's, like, next level stuff. So, yeah. There are a lot of really great scenes in this. You mentioned the hallway fight. That stands out to me as like, if I'm going to pick a scene that is just great, it's super well executed. Like you said, the effects are amazing. Uh, they literally built a hallway that spun and yeah. they got to walk around it and that's sick. That's um, <clears throat> the other 
moment is Leo and Elliot Page when he first takes their character into the dream world and they're sitting there at like basically a ca- cafe in Paris and Ariadne what a weird ass name first of all yeah. <laughs> what what a name for a character oh, yeah. Ariadne but um it's just really cool to see those two characters together and then the the world literally starts folding in on itself just incredible vfx and the seeing the crazy stuff that ariadne does where she like opens the door and there's the mirror and it's just a lot of fun and it's kind of like seeing the possibilities of the dream world for the first time is really cool yeah i agree with that actually and also i like how joseph gordon uh levitt he's talking about that staircase and he's uh explaining to elliot i think it's called a penrose staircase but he's explaining kind of how the dream world works and uh, kind of how you want to structure it. And to go along with what Corbin said, when they really started messing with physics in the dream world and the initial scene where Elliot Page first goes into the dream and Leo starts to question her and ask her about where are we right now? How did we get here? And everything starts to click for her. I, I think that's a pretty cool transition and uh, really kind of sets up the rest of the movie as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, honestly, maybe a fault, I know we're in favorite scene, but maybe a fault to this movie is that they don't take advantage of some of those, like, possibilities as well as they could have. Like, we see some cool stuff. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of pulls the staircase trick again later in the movie um, in the hotel, and obviously there's the rotating hallway, but... I feel like there's a lot more possibilities to expand on this idea of like trippy architecture and mazes. And it's just, we don't really get all of that. Like maybe there's another movie here that's more exciting and has more stuff. I don't know. The budget goes up, but. That's true. I was going to say, I'm kind of surprised there wasn't a sequel to this movie just because the cast is that good. And it is Leo and it's inception and you can literally do anything you want. I think if it literally was any other director. Yeah. Maybe. And, and not that not that Nolan hasn't done sequels. He did a whole trilogy of movies. But outside of that, I don't know. I just don't yeah, think but we if would you're going to do it. one, like, this would be the movie. Just because you're not barred down to any sort of story for the next one. You don't even have to bring back Leo, I guess. You could well, that's the thing. If, I, if, I, if we do ever see something in this universe again, I don't want the Leonardo DiCaprio story. But I feel like there's a ton of, op- like, dream heists. Like, there's so many cool opportunities for stuff. Yeah, make it a TV show. Dude, put it on HBO Max. I'd watch the shit out of that. But. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like overall they probably couldn't get Leo to do another movie and commit to one. And also, around that time frame, a lot of other movies were going on, and a lot of these other people were probably already committed to other roles. So maybe that's why they never followed up with it. But yeah. um, paying more money. Who cares? <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood, baby. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, you know what? I'm sure one day we will have another piece of media that is probably related to this in some way. Just considering the path of of IP and where we're at, like it'll probably happen. When did this movie come out? Like 2010? 2000, yeah, 2010. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's been a good 15 years almost. I, I don't think it's coming. I can't. Who is this? A Warner Brothers movie? I, 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 think, I think. I think so. I think it's yeah, legendary it, pictures. I think uh, it's. I it think, is legendary. I think it's both. I think it's actually both. I don't know if it is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's definitely legendary. I feel like it's not. Uh, whatever I think saying. it's legendary and Warner Bros. It is a one. It was distributed by Warner Brothers. So. Oh, what a joke! Warner, uh, it's legendary and syncope. Right. 
<laughs> and uh, which syncope is the Christopher Nolan, I think. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk filmmaking. We are full sale university. We take dreams seriously. Uh, either of you have any filmmaking lessons you'd like to share today? I have a couple, but I'll let uh, you take this one away, Corbin. Well, I appreciate that. My my thing is less about the actual filmmaking of the movie, but rather the this idea that this whole movie is a metaphor for making a movie. So Christopher Nolan has said this too, that basically he based all of the character roles off of people that are in the process of, of making a film. So Cobb, who's Leonardo DiCaprio, is like the director of the movie. And it's not a coincidence that he literally looks like Christopher Nolan in this movie. He has the same hair cut and the same suit. And that's kind of what Nolan does with all of his main characters. He just makes yeah. them look like him. Uh, look at Tenet. You got Robert Pattinson, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Arthur, he's like the producer. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the producer. Ariadne, Elliot Page is the production designer, making sure everything looks good on screen. You have Eames, Tom Hardy, who plays your actor. Sados, he's the studio. He's got the big money, comes in. And then Cillian Murphy's character, Fisher, he's like the audience. He's the person watching. They're they're creating a story and he's, he's taking it in. So I, I think it's just interesting to look at that kind of metaphor, that allegory that he creates with this. Um, Christopher Nolan says, I wrote the process that I knew about. And that's the process of making a movie. So it, maybe it's a little cheesy to be like, oh, this is just all one big metaphor for what it takes to make a movie, but it's still cool. That's cool. Who's, what, uh, what position is the, the drug guy? <laughs> he's, the, he's, the dr- <laughs> he's the drug guy. He's the drug guy that makes the movies oh, he- enjoyable. <laughs> Fair enough. I like that a lot, actually. I, I would have not have thought of that, but... Um... Also, yeah, every protagonist no one has kind of is him a little bit. I didn't, I didn't think about that too. But that is interesting stuff. Um, I only brought kind of one thing, kind of like the special effects. I feel like most of them do hold up, but there is one specific one where I was like, that kind of looked terrible. Um, so it is a scene with uh, Elliot Page and, and Leo, and it's after she bends the whole thing. And then it's where they're like stepping they step up. Step up, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that looks fucking terrible. So I thought that was funny, but I mean, the effects in general, I think, hold up very, very well. And I think that's a big part because a lot of it is practical, which obviously makes a big difference. But I wanted to shout out that one terrible effect. So yeah, I'm not a physics major, but I feel like <laughs> overall, the the physics in the movie is pretty cool and pretty consistent to real life, based off of my knowledge and. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, please uh, feel free to let me know. But specifically, I feel like when the van is falling off the bridge and the gravity starts to change and it actually affects and uh, leads to the scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's fighting in the hallway, I think that is super cool and how the gravity changes and is basically consistently changing as the dreams start to break down. Yeah. And like the kick that he sets up as well in, in the elevator, I think that's creative as hell as well. And and that that bounces off like, if this was an actual thing, like that's probably the best way to do it physics wise. Because there's no like real way if you're just you know floating in the air constantly to to have a kick like that. So yeah, that is also true. All right, let's talk weird movie details trivia. Naked grandma. Naked huh? Now Cody, you said you didn't do very much research. Uh, yeah, but I am curious to kind of hear what your question are. So why don't you go ahead okay. and get it started? I got a couple of questions and uh, per usual, they're, uh, they're aligned. But uh, <laughs> I'll start off with my first one. Uh, and I want Hughes to answer first. I think Corbin might know the answer. But uh, which actor um, 
in this movie has been in the most Christopher Nolan movies. Silly Murphy. Silly Murphy. That's Jacob Hughes' answer. Corbino, what you thinking? Uh, funnily enough, I do have a question that is similar in nature to this. Uh, uh, I would have been able to get it, though. The answer is Michael Caine. Yes. Uh, he's been in five. Michael Caine. I'll tell you what. This guy doesn't star in any of the movies, but he's in every goddamn one. So shout out Michael Caine. Actually, he's been in like, like seven. seven yeah. But the Dark Knight trilogy as a whole. Yeah. Sure. That's true. You can't really count those. But um, I mean, yeah, in general, I think Michael Caine, he's never the leading man. He usually has something to contribute. Um, but in this movie... He kind of is stuck in his tenant role. <clears throat> he's just got absolutely nothing to do. But I like seeing him there. I like saying Mike O'Kane when he pops up on screen. So can't complain. But yeah, he's botched that one, my guy. Minute, miniature, I thought that was a pretty good guess. Miniature, <laughs> miniature piece of trivia here. This is not um, a question, but I'm going to ask this. How many minutes of screen time does Michael Caine have in this movie? Oh, well, he has the one scene in the, the college. That's probably like five minutes. I'll give him like seven and a half i'm gonna give um so he's in the scene at the end so remember total run time yeah, two hours answer. 28 minutes it is a long movie scene at, the, scene at the end and then in the classroom i think that's it i feel like the scene in the classroom actually isn't that long i'm gonna go man this is a tough one corbin can we get a little over under possibly <laughs> we're playing jeopardy rules dude. No, yeah is it uh is it over under four and a half? Uh, I'm going to go four and a half on the dot there, Corbin. <laughs> Why did you ask for an over under? <laughs> it's three. Three minutes of really? time. Wow. Well, how much do you get paid for this? At least a couple of mil. I didn't ask, but uh, got a couple of I'll see what I, I can do. About it. Yeah. Jacob, we'll throw it over to you. What's your What's your first question? Uh, who do you guys – so does it have to be trivia or can it be anything? I mean, <laughs> whatever I mean, mine's a joke about absolutely nothing, so. Um, well, this might kind of lead to what we're talking about next, but who do you guys – what about – who had the most underrated performance in the movie? Oh, we're going opinion-based here. I mean, I would say uh, – I'd say Silly Murphy. I love that guy. Uh – I, I'm gonna say under. I think Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy's doing the, the most in this movie, <laughs> with the littlest. What's he, what is he really has nothing to do? <laughs> Honestly, I I was gonna bring this up later, but uh-huh. when Tom Hardy says, "You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bit bigger, darling," I think that's probably one of the best moments in the movie. That's I iconic. That's, that's too on the nose, though. That's like, oh yeah, we know what kind of movie we're in. Come on. Exactly. It's perfect. It's it's the right level of stupid. <laughs> What's the right did, did either of us get it right? <laughs> uh, no, you guys didn't. <laughs> Damn it. You guys That's both what? are just absolutely terrible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I would have to agree with Corbin on this one. I think Tom Hardy did a phenomenal job. Like I said before, uh, with the whole scene with Ames interrogating um, Cillian Murphy, Robert Fisher, I thought that was phenomenal and how they're able to – get the code and then they throw him in the back of the van. I, I love the buildup for all that. And I thought it was really, uh, really well done. Cody, what do you got for us? Well said. Um, we're not going to throw it over you at all. Why well, are you asked how many, how many minutes was on, was he on <laughs> screen? That's a mini question. All you right. want the real question? Here you go. No, no, you, you already threw it over me too late. All right. <laughs> second question. Um, 
another just an absolute doozy. Uh, which actor slash actress has been in the least amount of Christopher Nolan movies in this movie? Hughes, who who out of these uh great cast has been in the least amount of Nolan movies? We know Is he it, likes the same actors. Are we talking about like the star, like the stars? So Leo, yeah, the main, Earth, Elliot, Tom, whoever. Okay, I'm gonna guess yes. Elliot Page. Okay, good guess. Corbin, what are you thinking? I mean, Leo and Elliot both have only been in one. <laughs> and so. again, Hughes is wrong. It's a trick question. <laughs> it is Elliot. <laughs> it is Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting because he does use the same actors over and over and over. Well, let me let me are... let me hop in here with this question. Well, how, how many of the main actors have appeared in other Christopher Nolan movies, and what are they? Okay, good question. To finish my point uh, as well. I think those are two phenomenal, uh, you know, performers there with Leo and Elliot Page. I don't know why I didn't bring them back, but, uh, yeah, over to Corbin's question. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I was kind of thinking about this before. I'm pretty sure the only other thing he's been in is The Dark Knight Rises, right? Correct. So that's okay. two. Uh, who else is in the movie? Michael Caine's in Seven. We know that. Um, oh, Marion Cotillard. I think she's in a lot as well. She's in The Dark Knight Rises, too, in a, in a great role um correct correct she's got to be in something else right no just that really okay uh who else is left uh tom hardy again the dark side rises <laughs> he basically he took bane he took uh talia agul and he took robin all from reception that's cool uh is tom hardy in any other one yeah yes. dunker there you go yep steve any other you're cast members you're missing two who else is in this movie? I don't know. <laughs> We've talked about him a lot, both of them. Oh, Who are they? Uh, Cillian Murphy. There you go. That's the obvious one. What else he's is in, he in? Uh, well, he's in Batman Begins, obviously, as a scarecrow. But I believe as well, he shows up in The Dark Knight Rises, funny enough. So there's was that. He in, uh, was he in Dunkirk or no? He's also in Dunkirk. He's yeah. in Dunkirk, yeah. That's a good one. And there's one more. That he's in? No, there's one more person. I don't think the drug guy's in anything else, is he? Nope. Who else is even in this movie? Ken Watanabe, dude. He's in Batman oh, Begins. Fucking Ken Watanabe. Yeah, he's the fake man. Uh, not Mandarin. The fake Raz Al Ghul, right? Yeah, he brings yeah. him back. There's also like- uh, Miranda Nolan, who's his cousin. She's in the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception and Dunkirk. Uh, Andrew Plevin is in the Dark Knight trilogy and Inception. Russ Vega is in Memento, The Prestige, The Dark Knight Trilogy, Inception, and Interstellar. Oh, wow. He likes that guy. So he has, he has nine people, basically, that he's really brought back. But six I mean, they, of the main cast. They pretty much just took the cast here, put it in The Dark Knight Rises, and just swapped Christian Bale and Leo, honestly. They sh- and Leo should have been in that movie. They should have had Leo. That is true. He, he, was, doing, he was doing The Wolf of Wall Street, I think. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, who cares? I don't. I don't know if Leo could pull off the Batman man. There's no way. <laughs> Make him a villain. He could. She should have been the Joker. Could have been Two Face. That would be cool. Yeah, I think he'd be pretty good as Batman too. I'm not gonna lie, but <laughs> I'd take a Leo Batman any day of the week. No shot. <laughs> <laughs> Protect the Batflick. Okay. Uh, I have another question. Should I ask? Oh, it? Yeah. Yeah. No. 
Christopher Nolan has said that the snow-based third level of the dream was inspired by his favorite James Bond movie. Is it A, mm. Her Majesty's Secret Service, B, The Spy Who Loved Me, C, Octopussy, or D, Casino Royale? Good question. I thought you were going to throw in uh, Spectre there. So that also has a snow scene featuring Dave Bautista. What year did uh, Spectre come out? It was after Inception, was it not? Well, yeah, it, it definitely was, but I just want to shout out. 20, 2015. <laughs> All right, good point. Uh, Hughes, what are you thinking here? A lot of good options. Uh, I honestly have not seen absolutely any of those, <laughs> but if we're talking about good spy movies, I would recommend go watching Awesome Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Fucking phenomenal movie, if we're being honest. Hey, Rack. I like so that. That was, that was helpful. Um, it's not Casino Royale, I don't believe. Could you read the other three again? I'm sorry. <clears throat> Octopussy. I don't think Spy that, Who right. Loved Me, Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, let's find, well, I'll, I'll just go with Majesty's Secret Service. Because I mean, he was, I mean, he picked the spy who shagged me. 1969, Her Majesty's Secret Service. Cody got yeah. it right. And then it was what? the spy who loved me. So that was two on the nose. But yeah, I haven't seen it, to be fair. The spy who loved me also features a snow scene so i was trying to trip you up but obviously you uh, know what happened in any of these movies so. <laughs> you did well there to, to make good options good job Corbin. okay let's take a quick commercial break then and we'll be right back and we're back with who can act wow yeah i got a couple options here you guys have shouted them out significantly so i won't take too much time on them. cillian murphy i think he's extremely underrated in this movie um just i mean the emotional balance really of it all and um i feel like he's kind of the only one other than Cobb and and um whatever what's elliot page's character's name again say it one more time for him ariadne ariadne there it is not gonna remember that one but uh other than those two and like their deal with maul obviously i feel like no one else really has emotion to play with i think uh Celine murphy actually i think he's like very very believable and and uh honestly kills it not talked about it at all and then my other one as well that you guys shout out Tom Hardy. I mean, I think this is probably his favorite character. Um, and, and he's had a lot of good stuff, obviously. I, I do like his character in Peaky Blinders, funny enough, as well. But I think in this movie, he is like his most charismatic self. And he does have like sort of those one liners that Corbin was saying earlier. He kind of makes them work just by his performance. So uh, I, I think those two are, are by far my favorite from this movie. Honestly, I, I mean, I could shout out just about all the main people in this. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, my favorite actor. I mean, he's pretty good. Honestly, like for it being Leo, this is this might be one of his weaker performances, in my opinion. Yeah. Don't need don't need to go out there, but he's I not agree. doing a ton here. But <laughs> I mean, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's like he's still not doing a ton, and he's a good actor. Uh, Michael Caine for his three minutes is just being Michael <laughs> Caine, and it, it's perfect, and it's what this movie needed. <laughs> Elliot Page is good for being given absolutely nothing to do and, and yeah. literally having to sit on the sideline and yeah, whatever. Uh, Tom Hardy, like I said, mustn't be afraid to dream a little bit bigger, darling. That's fantastic. And Ken Watanabe, this dude, he yeah. plays the oldest man in the entire world. And he remembers a young man. And uh, no, yeah, every, I think everybody's pretty great. Uh, for me, I mean, pretty similar themes, but yeah, I would say Tom Hardy's, got to be mentioned leo um it's not my favorite cillian performance but i thought he did a good job i overall i just like the aesthetic that leo joseph 
and uh, Silly and Ab, just the nice suits, kind of gives me the great Gatsby vibe in a very different way, obviously. But uh, no, overall, I also think Ken Watanabe actually had a very underrated performance. And I like, I think they picked the perfect guy to play Sado or Saito. Um, and overall, when he finds out that he's dreaming and they're actually in his dream and that's kind of how he gets introduced formally to Leonardo. I, I love that whole scene and actually how clever he is to pick up on the rug, uh, which kind of influenced him to believe that he was in the dream. So overall, I would say uh, those four stood out to me, but I don't think anyone really did a bad job. Well, unfortunately, that's what we have to talk about now. We have to talk who oh. can act. That's my opinion! Throw it over to me immediately. So, um, Cody, who did a bad job? <laughs> so, funny enough, uh, bouncing off what Hughes was just saying there, I have a couple guys he said were pretty good. I did want to throw Leo out there. Um, I, think I, I get it. Uh, I'll come back to him, though. I want to start off with, I had Ken Watanabe as well. But not because I think he's terrible in this movie. I think he's given absolutely nothing to do um basically the first 15 minutes the only thing he does he's rubbing his cheek against you know this rug cool i guess so kind of sucks for ken watanabe and then the the next scene he comes back in the helicopter and he's just gonna shoot their buddy so you think oh shit this guy's the bad guy but then you just keep going along and he's just there for the ride for the rest of the movie until the last scene so i think it's not a bad performance he's kind of just playing like four different characters i think in a sense which is kind of strange, and I don't know if it works. But um, anywho, yeah, I mean, Leo could be better, I think. I, I said that, obviously, but um, I thought his scenes with, like, Elliot Page, the one-on-one -on -one scenes uh, with Elliot and even Michael Caine, I, I don't really like that scene either. I don't think he really lifted anybody up to, to, like, the standard that I feel like he normally does. So I think he's good, but usually in other movies, he, like, makes other people better, too, I think, which I don't think he did too much. I to to get on the Leo thing, I think it's a little bit of the writing. Like I know we've praised how great of a movie this is, but like his character is pretty one dimensional. It's like I've got this wife who's haunting me, and I want to see my kids. Like there's the, the, he has no personality. Like he doesn't make jokes. He's not cool. He's not. He's just like this guy. He's just this guy who yeah, he's smooth and he's he's like the cool guy and he's handsome and you trust him, but there's no personality there whatsoever. And I think I think it's just in the writing. I mean. I guess, you know, Christopher Nolan doesn't have any personality either is, is what he's trying to tell us. I don't, I'm not sure. That, that is a good point. I mean, writing-wise, the character writing, I don't think is great. The concept writing is like, yeah, yeah. insane, I think, which is what Nolan is great at, to be fair. True. But you are correct. I mean, there's not a ton of character development in this movie other than the obvious Cillian Murphy, you know, uh, in this entire idea and a little bit Cobb. But, I mean, everybody else, it's pretty much more about the mission than anything else. So that's interesting. <laughs> but uh, kind of jumped off. Uh, who else can act, boys? Somebody tell me. Uh, I, I actually wasn't a big fan of Elliot Page's performance. And this was uh, probably my least favorite actor slash actress in the movie. Um, and Corbin touched a little bit on the one-on-one -on -one scenes with Leo and Elliot Page. Overall, I just really didn't think those scenes stood out at all. Besides, I mean, it was it was cool and everything watching uh, her learn how to bend gravity. But overall, I think her performance was a little stale and boring and I think they could have picked someone better to fill that role. My big call out here 
and he's he's not in the movie a ton is tom berenger as like the godfather guy as uh cillian murphy's i best friend basically i i guess the only person that actually cares about him i i think the role of browning is an interesting weird one to have in there i mean tom hardy's pretending to be him for half the movie but for me tom berenger he just gets in there he whines a little bit and he doesn't really do anything interesting so when you're up against that starts out of a cast it's kind of the toughest when you're like the highest bill not big name person but i don't know that's true i mean i feel like he has a pretty hard job too because he has to act like how tom hardy would act in his body so that's i mean i I don't i don't think he's doing that i think he's just playing (laughs) one character i think that scene where he's sitting there he kind of has to act like he doesn't know anything about Cillian Murphy. He's he's just trying to play along. Yeah, he's just playing the same character. He's not <laughs> he's not playing a character okay. playing a character. It's not that deep. It's that it's that deep. It's inception, bro. Come on. <sighs> Any other last who can't act? That's nah, it's a pretty good cast, I think. Shout out yeah, to this guy. Yeah. Even even the weak points are strong points. Yeah. Let's go to the recast. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. We're moving people around. We're replacing people. Uh, I'm, I'll get it started for us. You know, we talked about it earlier in the episode. Christopher Nolan likes to use people from his other movies. So I felt it was only right if I was going to recast somebody I needed to pull from a previous Christopher Nolan text. So I've taken two people from the movie The Prestige and I've placed them into this film. First one, I'm replacing Tom Berenger, uh, the Godfather character, Browning. And yeah. This person is maybe not quite old enough, so maybe he needs to age like 10 years or whatever, but it's Hugh Jackman. So obviously Hugh Jackman, this would be a little bit of a supporting role for him where he's normally a lead, but I I think he could really just come in and be that like, okay, this is an actual guy you could have looked up to and have been a good person in your life. And I want to see Hugh Jackman in this movie. I think you're wasting Jackman there, bro. Well, where else is he going to go? It's the best (laughs) spot for him. I guess. Oh. Do you want to hear my other prestige pick? Yeah, just throw it out there. You already hinted it. Yeah, so the other person is Rebecca Hall, which is uh, it nice. plays Christian Bale's love interest. I don't remember her name. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm actually, I'm taking Joseph Gordon-Levitt out of this. We're getting rid of him. Oh. And we're getting another female in here because we need this movie to pass the Bechdel test. We need a female producer. <laughs> and uh, I think she can kind of, I, I mean, she can be jo- basically what Joseph, Joseph Gordon Lovett does. Levitt does. I mean, he's just a guy in a suit who like walks around. Like she could just be dressed nice and walk around. I, give it to she Rebecca Hall. Yeah. yeah. She can handle it. She's a great actress. I beg pulling from the prestige. So I can't argue with it. But um, I have two replacements as well. Um, my first one. I'm going to get rid of Marion Cotillard. We didn't touch up too much in um, the acting stuff. I think she's okay. But instead, um, I as well have to pull from another Nolan project. And I'm going Anne Hathaway. I've been giving her some more chances recently. Obviously, she was terrible in Interstellar. But I think Nolan-wise, she is one of the better actresses from, you know, so-called his franchise of films. And um, I think she could pull off a little bit more of a menacing villain. I think Maul, you know, whatever, the French thing, they need to drop that, obviously. But, you know, I think Anne Hathaway can, can bring some explosiveness to that, which I like a lot. So we're adding her on. Uh, I do have another one, but I, I want to throw it over to Hughes. Do you have any replacements? Uh, I I think you have to put Morgan Freeman in this. I, I really do. Um, who he would replace, 
that's didn't think about it, but you got to put him somewhere. Go uh, after Michael Caine. Give him. You want a bigger yeah, role? But I, I, I like Michael Caine as well, so I don't know. But on a on a serious note, um, maybe Matthew McConaughey as Cillian Murphy. I'm probably gonna get hate, okay. uh, hate like by it. saying that, that's but uh, that's kind of a mainstream opinion, probably. But I think Matthew McConaughey would would place that uh, the Robert Fisher character really well, and. Uh, some of the roles have kind of been similar in different ways to Cillian Murphy's and Matthew McConaughey. And also uh, we've talked about interstellar a decent amount for whatever reason. Um, but Matthew McConaughey is in that. And another, another Nolan boy, another Nolan movie. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think overall that he might actually do a pretty decent job as Robert Fisher. I agree. I think um, McConaughey hasn't, I don't think he's been in enough Nolan movies, if I'm being honest. So I'd throw him in there. I think it'd actually be pretty good. Oh, and I do have another one. I, I forgot. Uh, my second <laughs> one, I'm getting rid of George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well, whose name is pretty hard to say. But, um, you know, he's also just forgettable in this. We didn't really talk about him at all in acting it either. So I'm getting rid of the forgettable. And who else can you bring in who's not forgettable? Uh, I already shouted out once this spot. Dave Batista, welcome to the movie. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I'll tell you what, you know, supposedly Jorson goes another, he's kind of like the brawn in the operation, right? Supposedly. <laughs> what do you mean? What else does he use in this movie other than just kill? Yeah, him? he's got the guns. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So sure. bring in a real, you know, American hero, as I would call him. Dave Batista, right. in the movie. I mean, he, he could actually be the muscle, I think, uh, of this team. That is actually believable. And he can also shoot guns. So that works as well. But you got to bring him into the fray at some point. I think you could replace the Arthur character, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character, with Cillian Murphy and then have Matthew McConaughey play Robert Fisher. And now you're talking about a movie. Let's get the reboot going. Let's get Christopher Nolan on the phone and let's get it going, man. I, I'd rather just uh, throw in McConaughey for Cillian Murphy and then as well throw in Dave Bautista uh, for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But... Why do we keep talking about Dave Bautista? <laughs> I think he's a good actor, but all right. Stop talking about him, dude. <laughs> you guys are out of control we gotta go we gotta move on we gotta move on <laughs> rating time rating time out of 69 Uh-oh. of course you're gonna look at me and you're gonna tell me that i'm wrong am i wrong what do we give this movie cody start low so we can yeah. go high i was gonna say you might as well start off with me because i think i probably will be the lowest um i'll tell you what i do like this movie a lot uh this is not really a low rating so I'm going to give it a 62 out of 69. Again, I'd probably put it third best from Nolan, which, which is, uh, I mean, one of my favorite directors. So pretty big ups. I'm going to put it uh, pretty close to Cody. It's one of my favorite movies. It's in the top 10, but I don't know if it scratches that top five. Uh, the more I think about it, I'm going to give it a 64 out of 69. All righty. And- you're right in the middle of Cody and I, because I'm going to give it a 66 out of 69. Because I back to back weeks with the 66. I mean, we are just we're taking on my favorite movies. We got to oh, watch man. some stinkers, man. Because that's tied with scores your scores are too high, movie, right? Holy shit! No, no, no. no. I, I have that? I have uh, movies ranked high. I have Moneyball ranked higher than this, and I, I have really? Lady Bird ranked higher than this. But okay, but that's it, right? This is tied with Goodwill Hunting. That is a yeah. very high rating for me. Yeah, yeah, I like this movie a lot. So uh, 
sets it at a 64 average. So we've been we've been watching too many good movies. We gotta Cody, yeah. you got the pick next time, and you'll have to pick a stinker. Oh, I can I can uh, think of a couple off my head already. Ready? <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, that concludes our discussion on Inception. But the podcast is not over. As a reminder, we have we have a pod rhythm that we have to do first. Cody, tell the people about the segment. It's a great segment. So every week we have this uh, movie game we used to play, and we should pick a card out of it. And whatever card it is, you got to talk about the movie for 30 seconds. Uh, also, this is season three. Season three. Kick it, Corbin. It is season at? three. We're winding down. We're almost to the end of season three. It's true. It's very depressing. Sad stuff. And uh, this is going to be an interesting one. There's, I mean, there's so much to talk about, so little time. The movie is Star Wars. Oh, wow. Guest goes first. Hughes, what do you got? Star Wars. Tell us about it. 30 seconds on the clock. So just 30 seconds and then I... Play <laughs> yeah. The time is rolling. Just talk about anything about it, bro. Um, so there's this guy named Darth Vader. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a pretty good time at parties. Uh, he fights... I, I don't even know. Dude, I'm so bad. <laughs> I, never I, like I, choked. I choked, man. <laughs> Five seconds. It, it's, it's not explaining the plot. It's time Han to say that. Han Solo is my dad. Han Solo is his dad. Okay. Cody. <laughs> I don't think Hughes understands this segment. Star Wars, hell of a fucking movie, dude. The first one, mad underrated. I think, obviously, Empire is the best. Jedi is okay. But, I mean, the first one, you set up those characters so well. And it sets up the twist in Empire so well uh, to, like, put on top of that. It really does ben a good Kenobi. job because it, it makes you think him and Leia want to fuck, so. Exactly. Also, Ben Kenobi, Alec Guinness, I think one of the most underrated performances of all time. I mean, that is Ewan McGregor's character at this point, but I think Alec Guinness is so good in the movie. Obviously, the uh, iconicness, lightsabers, Darth Vader. Can't give a shot that. Stop. You know, Star Wars is something that I'm very affectionate towards. I love I mean, I have a tattoo that's Star Wars on my body. I'm a big fan. But Star Wars itself is a, the fans are bad people. It's, oh, it's got to be one of the most toxic fan bases in the <laughs> entire world. And I will continue to, to preach this good word until the day I die. Because uh, I like Star Wars, but I don't yeah. like Star Wars fans. You're just calling yourself toxic. What are you doing? Obi-Wan Kenobi, not bad, though. Check it out. <laughs> that's my recommendation. I haven't seen it. I think I think Star Trek fans are by far the worst fans out there. That's dude. true. If you like Star Trek, Star Trek fans lose are terrible. Oh. And also, I was on my phone, so I apologize. That's why I didn't, <laughs> know, what That's why I didn't know what's going on. And let's move on to the recommendations. <laughs> I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. You know, so. I was going to say this at the top of the episode, but we took a week off. I was traveling. Uh, we haven't done an episode. So we're going to be doing two episodes this week to make up oh. for it. And our next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to providing a ton of recommendations of things you can watch, you can, things you can stream. So I'm going to keep my recommendations pretty light for the time being because we have a ton in the next episode. Uh, I have watched 27 movies in the time since we last recorded. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, let's, big, let's pause there. 27 movies in, in two weeks, folks. This guy's grinding. Take it away. Well, not even, yeah, not even really. Yeah, kind of two weeks, pretty much. It It's uh, it's been an interesting, this is what being unemployed and <laughs> graduated from college is like. So 
but it's okay. I start my job in a couple of weeks and I'll finally stop being lazy. Uh, but I'll have lots of wonderful recommendations next week. Check out Miss Marvel though, that is streaming on Disney plus. I feel like a lot of people aren't watching it and it's actually generally pretty good. Uh, fun story, interesting powers, you know, it's, it's, it's still the Disney plus superhero thing, but it, it's got a different twist on it. Shout out a bunch of my recs this week. Um, I've not been on the 27 movie grind, but I've been watching a decent amount. So run through it pretty quickly. I did it. I'm checking out Rick and Morty season five. Actually not bad. So props there, probably better than the fourth season. Uh, also, I started Succession, which is on HBO Max. It's been highly recommended by uh, Junior, Jake Ross himself. So I, I, I've watched like the first four episodes. It's okay so far. I, I don't know how I think about it, but um, I'm sure we'll be back to it. And, Allegedly uh, gets a lot better in later seasons. Well, I believe it, but we'll see. And then um, as well, uh, I actually checked out a few movies, surprisingly. So I checked out Anchorman, which I'd seen before. <laughs> film, um, you know, it's okay. It, I, out of like Will Ferrell, Adam McKay stuff, uh, I probably it's prefer Talladega. I prefer Talladega Nights, to be honest. Um, but still, good watch, good cast. Obviously, uh, Steve Carell's really wasted in it, though. It's funny. Um, also, I checked out Free Guy, Corbin. Do you know that? Yeah, I did. I, yeah, felt like that was I don't think it's ago. that. I don't think it's that good. But. Um, <laughs> In my letterbox review, I said, uh, I think I'd rather watch Ready Player One again than, than this film. But, you know, <laughs> I like Ryan Reynolds. And, um, yeah, it's okay. I like Joe uh, Curie as well. Obviously, Steve. But, uh, yeah, okay movie. You know, three out of five stars. Corbin said it was like the best movie of the year. So I'm, I, don't know about that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, What about Argo, a- Cody? Oh, actually, that was next on my list. I checked out... Best Picture winner, I believe, right? Argo. Yeah, Best Picture. And, um, yeah, I'll tell you what. Th- this is also straight from my Letterboxd review, but Silver Linings Playbook, absolute robbery, because that movie's much, much better than this film. Uh, I do like this movie. It's, it is uh, very intense. And uh, like the last hour, I was just like, like just stressing out the entire time. So did a good job there. Ben Affleck, great direction, obviously. But I don't know if the performances are, are worthy of Best Picture. But still a good movie. And then... A couple TV things as well. Umbrella Academy season three. That drop. Speaking of Elliot Page. Yeah, Elliot Page, who's so good in that series. Definitely check out the first couple seasons if you guys haven't. But I, I'm only one episode deep into this one. I'm not going to lie. I've been slacking. So we'll have more updates on that. But first episode, I actually really like uh, uh, like uh, announcing the, the Sparrow Academy lineup. The little black guy I love. But Miss Marvel... Check that out as well. And then Stranger Things 4 also drops uh, this Friday. So get fucking hype. Everybody's dying. Uh, I think Joe Keery, speaking of him, I think Steve's gone. I think we talked about it before, but that's my bold prediction. I'll bet either of you guys five bucks right now that uh, Joe Keery is dead this season in uh, Stranger Things. Rip Steve. Who's going to take me up? Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> All right, Corbin, I'll your five bucks. Hughes, you got any rex Um. We'll do Interstellar if you haven't seen it. Uh, you know, check out the Aiden Cotter podcast. Shout out Aiden Cotter. Check it out. Uh, it's both one of our favorite movies ever. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, to go along with, let's let's keep with the Christopher Nolan theme. Batman trilogy, phenomenal. Dark Knight, 
one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the dopest opening scenes of all time ever as well. Love it. Heath Ledger, Batman, R.I.P. Um, rest in peace. And then uh, Stranger Things, I back it. I think it's really good. Um, I'm actually re-watching it from the beginning right now. Really? Uh, just because I'm dedicated. I'm a, I'm a Stranger Things groupie. <laughs> I'm, a proud, I'm a proud groupie with the Stranger Things community. Uh, and also one of my favorite TV series, uh, if not my favorite, up there with Game of Thrones, Peaky Blinders. Shout out Cillian Murphy. Shout out Tom Hardy. Phenomenal show. Uh, last season, last and final season just came out. I think it's really good. Uh, all-star performances from all of them. And uh, excited for uh, what's ahead for Cillian Murphy. And last but not least, I'm going to do a shout out for Ozark, Jason Bateman, direct, produced, phenomenal job. He really wasn't taken seriously before that after being in, uh, what was he in, Arrested Development? Arrested Development, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite shows. Um, so he was kind of known as like a comedic uh, guy, wasn't in a lot of serious stuff. I thought he killed the Marty Bird character, if you haven't seen it. Uh, another really, really good first season, first episode, phenomenal um really draws you in so the, i'm gonna go with those shout out the guest jacob hughes coming on the pod everybody's still listening come on uh we're not that deep in but uh appreciate you coming on dude did you have a good time absolutely boys thank you for having me uh it was a long time coming for sure <laughs> i had to bug cody about it for a long time but uh yeah thank you guys for having me i think we did a great job breaking down inception um if you haven't watched any of their episodes before <laughs> check out the k-hap podcast baby uh yeah. get, those view- get those views up these are good guys <laughs> doing stuff they like to do talk about movies they like to watch so uh check them out thank it's, you it's always good to have somebody named jacob on the show <laughs> hey, we'll have you back for you the battle with the seventh choice yeah <laughs> hey let's get a poll with uh best jacob best jacob guest Pound, pound Jay Hughes money line, baby. Let's get the it going. Other, the other Jay Hughes. <laughs> oh, true. Fuck. <laughs> you guys get to combine. It was a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have another podcast in the books. We're doing it. Amazing things are happening. <laughs> we'll catch we'll you all back. next episode. We'll be back. Stay cabin. Peace. Peace. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.